Blog Talk Radio.
Good morning, good morning. Thank you all for being here this morning. I'm Shonda Kane, and I'm with you this morning to celebrate another Sabbath, and happy Sunday to everybody, and we're very encouraged by yet another day alive and above ground and trying to do the right things just for a couple hours on Sunday anyway. Um, good morning, my friends. The opening music was by Save Vocal Group from the CD Native Angels by Save. Uh, you know, it's a wonderful CD, and I encourage you to get it and listen to it and all their music, really. Um, the instruments are Native American, and they mix it in with Gregorian chanting, and I happen to love it personally. You can get your own copy at savae.org. I also found them for sale on Amazon, and you can listen for free on YouTube, of course. And uh, they do they are on Facebook, and they do live shows. But anyway, I just want to let you know I'm a Christian in recovery, and all Bible readings will be out of the Ryrie Study Bible, but of course you may use any Bible you wish this morning. I have had many spiritual experiences, and in gratitude to my higher power, I have reading through uh, the New Testament, and we're all the way up to Acts 24 today, and uh, I'm very happy that we're here together to share this, this brief moment in time, and uh, so we can tell God that and our Heavenly Father in Jesus Christ, that we love them very much, and we are interested in the works left behind that teach us uh, the ways of the Lord and um, all the interesting facts about the people in the Bible, the saints, and everybody else. Anyway, we we'll call our number this morning, 619-924-9744, and Sacred Sundays air every Sunday, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So please join me in our opening prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I want to God bless you in every way. We pray for all Christians who are being persecuted worldwide. Their freedom to worship and lives are in jeopardy. We've got all the, the haters that are just got through killing some more innocent people and another young American man. And we want to pray for all their families that um, we're sorry that we didn't get them out on time. And uh, to people to please just stay out of the area. I don't know what else to say. And just... Uh, do the best you can just to protect yourselves and be aware that there's haters in the world that you want to kill. And that's that's all they're after. I did have a run-in with uh, the lower power one time in, during a dream, and I didn't realize how much evil loathes us. They loathe us. The lower powers and the big lower power uh, all loathe human beings, so of course they want to see them annihilated. So this is a a horrible fight on the ground and also in the air and the principalities. So just remember to pray, praying and uh, just loving your loved ones is the, the greatest power against all this negativity. And please ask God uh, to send the mighty Archangel Michael to fight against the evil and the evil ones and protect them and all your angels to watch over everybody. Our prayers go out to all those who suffer in the world, including the animals who can't speak for themselves. I cry about this all daily, how the, the babies and the animals are injured they can't say, because they can't stick up for themselves. That's because the evil ones are also cowards and they have no ethics. 
please, God, protect the little ones. And also we pray for the wisdom of our president and the rest of our policymakers. They have many decisions to make, and we are praying for all the countries for problems suffering all over the world. Their leadership uses wisdom and guides everybody in the right way. We just want to thank you for all this, God, and that we ask to Jesus to bless us and help us grow under his care and learn what we have to learn. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I do have a bunch of birthdays this morning. For all those who have birthdays, and also Renee Cruz, Sergi Raduchin, Pandora Fox, Cotton Phillips, and Ralph Ellis, happy, happy birthday to you, and may your birthday dreams come true, and God bless you with his health and gifts and everything this whole year ahead. We also pray for everybody that's having an anniversary or anything else to celebrate. We'd love to celebrate it with you, so just let me know if you want something, want me to, on air, celebrate something with you, so just let me know. Um, remember, you can call in with a special prayer request, and our phone number is, again, 609-924-9744. And uh, as you we get to our Bible reading, um, you can go online. If you don't have a Bible at home, or you can use any Bible. I use the Ryrie Study Bible because I found mine, uh, my Ryrie Study Bible. Somebody had thrown it away by the trash can, and I went and picked it up, and I've been reading that Bible. I'm on my second one. Uh, so I've been reading it ever since. And... Uh, Anyway, you can get online Bibles, www.biblegateway.com or www.biblia.com. And they have a wonderful cross-references and coordinates. And anyway, last week, remember, we were reading Chapter 23, and uh, things are really uh, volatile uh, uh, with uh, Paul, and he's trying to send the messages to the Jews. However, they're not really uh, eager to hear what he has to say. So anyway, at this point, Paul's back in jail, and uh, it's not a good thing. So let me see. Uh, so the notes are for this is, uh, let's, okay, let's go back and review chapter 23 real quick. Um, the trial goes before counsel. Anyway, Paul tells the Jewish counsel he's always lived a good life and that he's totally right with God. And then the high priest Ananias orders some of the others to punch Paul in the face and they do it with a... It's just really terrible. Anyway, that's when Paul got angry and called the high priest a whitewashed wall. And he also points out he's, it's against Jewish law to hit him. Anyway, then the council tells Paul there's no right to insult the high priest and then Paul does a 180 and agrees with him and apologizes. Anyway, that apology might have been the first for Paul. You know, Paul's a hothead, but he is chosen by God. And then Paul tells them that he himself is a Pharisee, and he kind of shocks us. He's also said that he's there because of things he's been teaching about Jesus, the resurrection of the dead. Anyway, when he said that, a huge fight broke out because the Pharisees and the Sadducees both had different views about the resurrection of the dead. And no one can agree with anything. So there's a big, huge fight broke out, and the Pharisees take Paul's side for a bit, but things start to get out of control, and the Romans remove Paul from the room and take him back to prison. Anyway, he's making a little bit of headway, but, you know, he's thrown back in prison. So at this point, you know, uh, Paul's reputation is as getting to be like a, a jailbird, and, but he is our St. Paul, and God put him there for a reason, and uh, Paul is preaching the good word, and he's telling the truth. And anyway, 
So let's get on with this amazing chapter this week. So everybody turn to Acts 24. And you know what? Pretty soon we're going to be done with Acts. We have a few more weeks left. And then we're going to be going into Romans. But this is go Acts 24. So get out your Bibles and we're going to read today's reading. It's pretty short. So I have other readings too that we're going to do from our other books. 24. After five days, the high priest Ananias came down with some elders with an attorney named Tereus, and they brought charges to the governor against Paul. After Paul had been summoned, Tereus began to accuse him, saying to the governor, Since we have through you obtained much peace, and since by your providence reforms are being carried out in for this nation, we acknowledge this in every way and everywhere, most excellent Felix, with all thankfulness. But that I may not weary you any further, I beg you grant us, by your kindness, a brief hearing. For we found this man a real pest, and a fellow who stirs up dissension among all Jews throughout the world, and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. Wow. And even tried to desecrate the temple, and then we arrested him. We wanted to judge him according to our own law. But Lysias, the commander, came along with much violence, took him out of our hands ordering his accusers to come before you. By examining him yourself concerning all these matters, you'll be able to ascertain the things of which we accuse him. The Jews also joined in the attack, asserting that these things were so. When the governor had nodded for him to speak, Paul responded, knowing that for many years you have been a judge to this nation, I cheerfully make my defense, since you can take note of the fact that no one more than 12 days ago I went up to Jerusalem. Okay, let me start there. Since you can take note of the fact that no one more than than 12 days ago I went up to Jerusalem to worship, neither in the temple nor in the synagogues nor in the city itself did they find me carrying on a discussion with anyone or causing a riot, nor can they prove to you the charges for which they now accuse me. But this I admit to you, that according to the way, this capital W for way, which they call a sect, I do serve the God of our fathers, believing everything that is in accordance with the law and that is written in the prophets, having a hope in God, which these men cherish themselves, and that there certainly be a resurrection for both the righteous and the wicked. In return of this, I also do my best to maintain always a blameless conscience, both before God and before men. I'm going to go back and read 15, because it's telling us a little something here. Having a hope in God, which these men cherish themselves, that there shall be certainly a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So everybody will be resurrected and judged. In view of this, I also do my best to maintain always a blameless conscience both before God and before men. Now after several years I came to bring alms to my nation and to present offerings, in which they found me occupied in the temple, having been purified without any crowd or uproar. But there were some Jews from Asia who ought to have been present before you and to make accusation if they should have anything against me. Or else, let these men themselves tell what misdeed they found when I should be before the council. Other than for this one statement, which I shouted out while standing among them, for the resurrection of the dead, I am on trial before you today. But Felix, having a more exact knowledge about the way, capital W-A-Y, 
put them off, saying, When Lysias, the commander, comes down, I will decide your case. Then he gave orders to the centurion for him to be kept in custody, yet have sometimes some freedom, and not to prevent any of his friends from ministering to him. But some days later, Felix arrived with Drusilla, his wife, who was a Jewess, and sent for Paul, and heard him speak about the faith of Jesus Christ. But as he was discussing righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix became frightened and said, Go away for the present, and when I find time, I will summon you. At the same time, too, he was hoping that money would be given to him by Paul. Therefore, he also used to send for him quite often and converse with him. But after two years had passed, wow, he's in jail two years, Felix was succeeded by Horses Festus, and wishing to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. That's it. I told you it was short, but intense. So the whole time that he's being tried, this whole time, he was still in prison. So let's go back and read the notes. Ananias headed the group that presented the complaint against Paul. Terelius, a Roman name, is probably a lawyer hired by the Jews in Caesarea to present their case. Now around 24-5. Terelius broadened the charge and made it more serious in Roman eyes by, for the first time, accusing Paul of being an insurrectionist and as well as being a leader of the Nazarenes and desecrating the temple. And then 24-6-8, uh, we wanted the judge to come before you. Also, message, do not contain, some people do not, anyway, let's go on to 24-8. Trillius now argued that Lysias had ex- exceeded his authority in removing Paul from trial by Jewish authorities in charge of profaning the temple. 21-11, 12 days minus the five days in Caesarea meant that Paul was in Jerusalem only seven days. Too short a time to instigate a riot. 24-17, the only mention in Acts of the collection Paul brought from the Gentile to the poor in Jerusalem. And then 24-19, it talks about the Jews from Asia. They were not there as witnesses, as Paul points out. And then 24-22, Felix put them off because Lysias wasn't there to be heard from. And then 24-23, have some freedom. Paul was under a relatively loose military confinement. And then 24-25, now this is the other stuff. This is like the the message that's running underneath this. Felix became frightened. Felix had stolen Drusilla from her first husband. He also was corrupt as a governor, and Paul may have challenged him concerning his low morality. So that was another reason why Paul was shut up and sent to prison because there were some other underhand things going on. Well, next week we're going to continue with Chapter 25 as we move along to the New Testament. It's been a pleasure to share this with you. Now, let me find another story. He's going to run out of stories in this little thing, this little book of mine. Okay, let's just go randomly, as I always do, so you never know what's going to come up. Okay. This is a little Irish blessing I just turned to. God for the good day, God for the bad day, God for the pleasure, God for the pain, God for the rain, God when our barns are empty, God when they're full again. It's an Irish blessing. Okay. This is a story called What Happens When Love Fails by Hannah Pearson. 
My sister Katie and I were trapped in the pantry with our mother. She is giving us shots of blood red vinegar. Even if I swallow quickly, the sharply acidic taste remains in my mouth. She holds my face toward her as her thumb pushes under my jawbone. I used to admire the crystal shot glasses kept in Graham's cabinet, but now the glass is thick and cold as my mother forces the caustic punishment down my throat. It is a few years later. I'm eight. I'm sitting at the dining room table with Strong's exhaustive concordance of the Bible. It is an immense book with tiny type. There are no sentences, only phrases, abbreviations, or reference numbers. I love to read. I have a list of books I have read this year, but Strong's does not have stories in it. The leather-brown King James Bible has stories in it. But my task was to find all the verses under the bold heading that read, Tell Bearer, After That Liar... Then I write out the the relevant Bible passages in their entirety. My only recourse is to do as I'm told, so that that maybe this will not happen again. It starts to get dark and my fingers hurt and I get thirsty, but I stay at the table until I am all alone. I accept these disciplinary measures. They are not painful like the under the chin punches that do not leave much of a visible mark. As I get older, the injustice strikes me harder. Words cause me the most pain. The words last much longer than the bruises. My mother wishes out loud I had never been born. She destroys my self-confidence. I have developed a sort of cynicism. I doubt that people could honestly be good to me, that they could be like me. I have no sense of security or trust. I find a kitchen table knife on the floor in my room and wonder what was contemplated while I slept. Sometimes I try to hide alone, scared, in a dark, cold cellar or garage. Sometimes we fight all night. I struggle to get away until she becomes bored or tired. It is futile for a 60-pound child to try to escape the bathroom when a large, strong woman blocks the door. Grandpa threatens to call the police, but he never does. He is afraid of her, too. My head aches. Welts rise on my arms. Blood rushes to my face as I feel... My cheek grow warm under her handprint. Her anger comes from something other than my feelings. Something else sets her off, but she attacks Katie, Graham, and me. I am the strongest, the angriest, and I fight back. I do things that distract her from them and, like, throw her diet soda on her worn blue bathrobe, then get her hatred is turned to me. But I am only a weak child, and I cannot do anything to make it all stop. Sometimes my mother speaks no emotion, no expression in her face. It scares me when she is hollow like this because I know she is agitated, perhaps on the verge of explosive wrath. I do not want to upset her. I am afraid of messing up. I am always treading on thin ice. My efforts to avoid confrontation by careful obedience are doomed to fail. I am becoming a meticulous perfectionist in each child to those who do not know. People think I have good manners. I am unheard and unseen. I just watch. I have plenty of time to study my family members because I am observant. I am sensitive to what the people in my house are feeling and thinking. It is like keeping track of the pieces on a chessboard. It is necessary that I know how each piece moves and how the opponent will react. I do not worry about winning. I just keeping myself out of check. I start sixth grade in new school, and Katie does too. I try not to be noticed. This is difficult because my class is small, and the other kids are nice to me. I go to their birthday parties and eat dinner at their houses. Maybe they like me a little. Their moms seem nice, but my mom can seem nice too. My teacher is more than just nice, she understands. 
Mrs. Hoffman, I remember it was like that to be a kid. I work hard in school. If I do really well, Mom might not get angry with me. Dad might notice that I exist, and he might listen. He might be around more. He spends plenty of time with the other kids, and he directs the youth group at church. I bring home almost perfect report cards, but he does not say good job. I work hard anyway because I'm learning. I'm learning that there is much more than I want to know. Dad comes home late at night wearing his leather jacket after youth group. He smells like bowling alleys and pizza. He sits on the edge of the bed. Dad says that Mom might have to go away for a while to get some help. Instead of the sudden information about solving my problems, it adds to them. The information proceeded, don't let your mother know, is dangerous. If my collusion is discovered later, the consequences could be severe. Katie is worried and I try to comfort her. Mrs. Hoffman can tell I haven't slept. She does not know my mother had her hands around my throat last night. And I talk to her. I tell her some of what is going on. She goes with me to the headmaster. I cry because I know it may be get worse from here. They gave me a dry paper Kleenex. And when my dad picks Katie and me up from school, they, we cannot go home. Katie cries and she does not want to leave mom. My dad says he has taken us away. We end up at a foster home in the next state. It's a Christian family, and they pray for us, and the family already has plenty of kids. Eventually, Dad, Katie, and I move back together without Mom. The next years were filled with lawyers and social workers. A psychiatrist evaluates us. He says, my sister and I are okay. I think Katie and I have learned to cope with a lot, and I have to go to court. One of my teachers gives me an index card with verses on it to give me courage. These are the kind of verses from the Bible, not a punishment or condemnation. They are not about talebearers. God says he will be there even when your father and your mother forsake you. I have not had a mother in an emotional sense, but now I do not even have one physically present. I'm the oldest. I'm independent and responsible. I have to be. Some of my friends have moms to wrap sandwiches and wax paper for their brown bag lunches. Their mothers do laundry for them to come to their eighth grade graduation and make sure their dresses fit. I buy the fabric for my dress with my own money, and I sew it myself. I still have my dad, but he cannot fill the void where two parents should be. He is still the same. A woman who is also a youth group leader is my dad's wife now. My mother still haunts my daily existence. She calls my school, my house, my friends, my mother, friends' mothers. She shows up at my church. She follows me and makes threats. She tells people I'm a terrible person. She throws a red punch that they serve in church onto our car. Restraining orders and only pieces of committed to a hospital it just makes her more angry. Grandma says she is sick and that I cannot hold it against her. Christ commands us to love everyone, and I go to visit my mother. She is uh, with the insane people on the tenth floor. I please, Grandma, I should forgive her. Later, I think I do. It is difficult for me to love. I have started with accepting myself. Even though my mom wished I had not been born, I could not have been happier to be alive. I have found that there are people who really do love me for who I am, who really love and I have trust first. My trust is hard to earn because I lost a lot by trusting a little. Maybe I am not emotional because I do not find love quickly, but I am emotional in the sense I do value love more because I perceive it as rare. God's love is abundant, yet rare in its perfection. I have been looking for faithfulness and unconditional love among my fellow imperfect human beings. Now as I face questions in my future, I can look back and see how God has carried me through. He has been faithful. 
As I fall away, he calls me back. Sometimes I think I have to study, search for God, or receive a sign. When I stop searching, I just think about all that he has done for me. Faith, trust, and love. So simple. And then she gives Iris blessing. Um, I didn't, I, I didn't, I, I'm just shocked that I read this. I understand God's will for me and he wanted me to read this, but this is my story. Word for word, this all happened to me and it continued to happen to me. I, I, unfortunately, um, my relationship with my mother is not repaired because my mother continues to try to abuse me, but I'm an adult now, so I have the options of staying away. But let's, let's pray this morning for all the mothers that are mentally ill. They have hurt their children, and their children have a hard time forgiving. But let's forgive and love ourselves and the people that love us enough to forgive so we can move forward with our help and our love and our hope. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to God bless you all. I hope you have a wonderful week ahead. I love you. God bless you. I protect yours and your ears and love your children. Don't leave them alone. Let's say our traditional closing prayer after a moment of silent meditation for those out there that still suffer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Thank you for joining Sacred Sunday. Please come back again next week and bring your friends and family. You can also listen to us in archives. In closing, may God bless and keep you in his loving arms that you may have the strength to face whatever is ahead. Remember, you're never alone. I love you so much, and I know God loves you with all his heart and his eternity, and he gave up his son for you. Maybe someday we'll all be together again. We'll have that dinner together like the Last Supper, but this will be the endless supper in heaven. God bless you all. Bye-bye, and happy trails to you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen.